Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. y'all i had a uh had a conversation with a lady at the ymca a few years ago um the conversation went like this i was sharing with her um about jesus about what i know about jesus how i feel about jesus how i believe jesus feels about me um she shared with me that she agrees with all of that then she followed that up with sharing with me and telling me about some of the times where what she believes about Jesus and her life experience does not match up. Ever been there? Yes. When, when the truth that we know about the Lord and the experience that we're going through just doesn't seem to mesh together. She shared with me some struggles that she had with her marriage and her family, with her kids, and all of that type of stuff. Um, following that, she brought up another person's name, another lady's name that I knew and she knew, and she shared with me how this lady seems like and looks like, and she believes that this lady has her stuff together. She always looks put together, her family's put together, her family's taken care of, finances are taken care of, and she was comparing what she was facing with what this other young lady what she perceived this other young lady was going through. Little did she know that this other person, I know this person as well, and I had had conversations with her about some struggles that she shared that were the exact same as the lady that I was talking to at the Y. Um, you know, the problem with comparing two things together, especially when one of them's yours and the other one is someone else, you will never, ever, ever win that fight you will always come out on the losing end. Reason being, you're comparing what you're going through with what they want you to see them going through. Does that make sense? You're comparing your struggles and pains and hurts and frustrations with what you perceive and what, you, what they want you to see that they're going through. We do a really good job at hiding stuff, right? You can be honest. If you don't say right, you're hiding it. <laughs> I can tell. I know. I can see it. So I want to take a few moments to talk with you about the truth and the fact that while today we may look like we have our stuff together, today you may find yourself on the inside in an absolute mess. And that's okay. That's okay. Um... I think we would all agree that we all have seasons and times in our life where we go through months, weeks, months, maybe even years, maybe even decades, where there's certain parts, certain areas of our life that are just cannot get together. 
We struggle with relationships. We struggle with parenting. We struggle with our spouse. We struggle with our finances. We struggle with friendships. And it seems like no matter what we do, we just cannot get our junk together and we find ourselves in a mess. I want to look at a, uh, a couple miracles that Jesus performed in Matthew chapter 4, Matthew, in Luke chapter 4. And as we read this and as we go through this, I want us to look at it through the lens that we're in a mess. We're in a fight. We're in a struggle. And if you find yourself today in a situation where everything's great, good. That's wonderful. That's excellent. My guess is it won't stay like that forever. Amen? All right, let's read. Matthew chapter, Matthew. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 31, says this. Then when he, he being Jesus, went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? How have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them, before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What words are these? What words these are? With authority and power he gives orders to impure spirits that they come out, and the news about him spread throughout the surrounding areas. I bet it did. Don't you agree? Shoot, yeah. Keep reading. Verse 38. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon, which we know as who? Peter. Keep reading. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked him, by the way, the word high fever there in Greek is the same word that is used for the word fire. This girl was sick. She was deathly sick. Keep reading. Uh, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. Verse 40. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. Verse 42, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because this is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So there we see Jesus do several, do multiple healings in about 12, 13 verses. Um, we see Jesus heal several different people. Here's what I want to share with you this morning. Three things today. If you find yourself in a mess, know, number one, Jesus is always ready to serve. Jesus is always ready to help you out. Jesus is always ready to impact your life and to change you or your situation. What we see here is Jesus doing miracles for people. We see him deliver a demon-possessed man. We see him heal Simon's mother-in-law. And we see him heal all types of sick people and deliver another demon-possessed man in verses 40 and 41. Jesus is always ready to help you in your time 
time of need. Two principles here at play. Two principles I want to share with you very quickly. Number one is that Jesus is always sufficient. He's always able to help you in your time of need. There's never a time in your life where you're going through a valley, you're going through a struggle, you're going through pain, you're going through heartache, you're going through a mess that is outside the realm of Jesus' power and ability to be able to help you. Never. It may be tough. You may cry, you may holler, you may cuss. Jesus still has the power to be able to change you and to change that situation that you're going through. I had a conversation on the phone this past week with a lady who was telling me about someone in her family that was diagnosed with cancer, that was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. And on the phone, my friend said, I don't know what to say. So I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I said, well, the truth is, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can physically do to change the situation. I said, the only thing we can do is two things. One, we can love. We can share love, make sure they know that you love them. Make sure they know you're with them. You're going through the pain, the heartache with them. And two, we pray. We pray that the Lord will do what only the Lord can do because when we can't, we know that he can while we find ourselves at times in helpless situations, in times where things are too big or too much for us, God in heaven never finds himself in a time where he is unable to touch, where he is unable to change, where he is unable to move, where he is unable, where his power is limited in your life. There is never a time that that happens to you. Please know today that no matter how bad it is, his love is still everlasting. No matter how deep the valley is you're facing, his grace is still amazing. No matter how big of a mess you find yourself in, his forgiveness is still available. He's always efficient. He's always more than enough. I read a story several years ago about a young man who went off to college, his first semester in college, living away from home, living in a different town, a different state. He found himself with new friends, doing new activities that he'd never done before, that he never thought he would be a part of before. He got into drug use. He got into alcohol consumption. He got into going places he never thought he would go. He ended up flunking out of school. Within one semester, within four months, he was a completely different person than he was four months ago when he got to the college. So he called his mama. He did what we all do. He called his mama. And he was honest with his mom. He said, Mom, I messed up. I failed four of my five classes. I stay up all night, sleep all day. I've been taking a part in these activities and those activities, and I've been going here. He said, I don't know what to do. You know what Mama said? Mama didn't say, get your junk together. Mama didn't say, try harder. Mama didn't say, call somebody else. Mama said, just come home because mama was there and mama was able to help him in his situation 
The same is true this morning when we look at the Lord Jesus. He's there. He's able. He's sufficient. He's more than enough to help you, to change you, to impact the situation and the mess that you're facing today. Principle number two, not only is he sufficient, but he's always available. He's always available. He's always there. Jesus tells us a parable in Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 5. Jesus says this. Well, before this, verses 1 through 4, Jesus teaches the Lord's Prayer. He's teaching the disciples about prayer. Then in verse 5, he says this. Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. By the way, try not to knock on somebody's door at midnight today. Right? Those of you boys that grew up in the country like myself, you know don't come knocking on my door at midnight. Call me first. Give me a heads up that you're coming. Right, fellas? Right. Keep reading. Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. Can we get any amens there at midnight? Don't bother me. I'll get you some bread in the morning. Keep reading. Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are in bed. Mom and dad, nothing worse than somebody knocking on the door, ringing the doorbell, waking up the baby. Right, Chelsea? Keep reading. Uh, children are in bed. I can't help you and give you anything. Verse 8, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need it. Notice the first four verses, Jesus is teaching on prayer. Jesus is teaching about the Lord's Prayer. Following that, Jesus tells a parable simply saying this, I am available. I'm not asleep. I didn't forget about you. I haven't stopped looking at you. I haven't stopped loving. I haven't stopped caring. I'm available to you. Jesus Christ today in all power and all glory and all wonder is available to you. He is there to go through life with you. He's there to go with you in the valley and he will meet you in the middle of your mess. He has not left or forsaken. The word says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is with you today, tomorrow, and forever. Amen. Jesus is always ready to serve. He's always ready when you find yourself in a mess. Point number two that we notice about these healings in Luke chapter 4. As we notice that Jesus did work in big crowds and he also did work in small crowds. What we see in Luke 4, we see Jesus doing work at the synagogue, outside the synagogue with an impure spirit. There were people around while Jesus was teaching. Following that, we see Jesus in Simon's mother-in-law's house. And Jesus did a miracle with a group of about a handful of people. And then following that, we see that all kinds of people come to Jesus. Jesus did work in big groups. Jesus did work in small groups. I hope you know today that Jesus is as present with 10 as he is 100. 
Jesus is as present with 10 as he is 100. Jesus is as powerful with 10 as he is 1,000. Jesus is as sovereign. Jesus is as holy. Jesus is as healing. Jesus is as forgiving and loving with a small group as he is with a big group. Sadly, we have this thought that we have to do ministry on a big scale or we're not doing any good. Nothing could be further from the truth. Two principles at play here. Number one, number one, while you may feel like you're alone, you're not alone. While you may feel like you're going through what you're going through all by yourself, you're not. Just because you don't have thousands of people around you does not mean that you're alone. The enemy wants to. The enemy's plan is to isolate people, is to get you by yourself, to get you alone. You want me to tell you a surefire way of how not to live out a successful Christian life? A surefire way how your Christian life, your spiritual high to become a spiritual low? Do it by yourself. Stop coming to church. Stop talking to people about the Lord. Stop worshiping, serving, and loving together. And do it by yourself. You and the Christian life were not made to be alone. The enemy wants to get you alone. That's why he tried to divide the church. That's why he infects the world in the church so that people will get mad at the church, get mad at the people in the church, and they will leave and with the full belief that I don't need the church, I can do it by myself. No, you can't. How many of you know it's hard enough doing it with people? Right? You know why? Because people are messy. Because you're messy. The person beside of you is messy. Because they're human. They're not the Lord. Because they break promises. Because they forget. Just like you. So the enemy will tell you, why even mess with it? Why do you want to mess with those people over there? Central. Forget those people. What do you want to talk about these Church of God people down here? I kid, I kid. I love Church of God people. Love it. Don't go telling people Michael's talking mess about the Church of God. Michael loves the Church of God. The enemy wants to isolate. The enemy wants to get you away from other people. I hope you don't think that our purpose here today is to come in here for an hour and look nice and smell nice and get a donut with sprinkles. By the way, my lovely and gorgeous and beautiful Tar Heel loving daughter, she's two, has started eating a sprinkle donut, but she don't eat the donut. She just eats the sprinkles off the donut. TJ and I were out of town uh, Friday and Saturday, and I, Callie sent me a video of Annalise sitting on her counter, picking the sprinkles off the donut. Callie said, what are you doing? She said, eating sprinkles. She said, what? Eating sprinkles. She's eating sprinkles. She's not eating a donut anymore. She's going past the donut stage. She's into the sprinkle stage. We're not here just to get a donut and a cup of coffee. You and I today... You woke up this morning. Thankfully, you got dressed this morning. Hopefully, you brushed your teeth this morning. You got in your car. 
you drove for five minutes, 35 minutes, 45 minutes, however long you drove. You parked in the parking lot. You got out of your car. You walked up them steps. I hope you got a donut and a cup of coffee. But the reason the Lord brought you here today was not for that. The reason he brought you here today was to worship, to love, to serve, and to pray together. Amen? Amen. It's easy to do church at home by yourself on the TV. There's benefits in being here and being in the mess with somebody else and praying for them in the middle of their fight in loving them in the middle of their fight, in encouraging them in the middle of their fight, and you receiving the same thing back from them in the middle of your mess. While you may feel like you're alone, you're not. Everybody look to your left right now. Everybody look to your right. Look straight ahead. Look behind you. The people that you just looked at the back of their heads, they want to pray with you. Amen? The people that you just looked at, they want to love you. Amen? The people you just looked at, they want to give you a hug. Amen? (laughs) You never know. Some people aren't huggers. I'm a hugger. I don't mind hugging. I'm a bear hugger. I'll squeeze you. The Lord has put you here today with the people around you for a reason. And that reason is so that you can live life together. The second principle at play here. The Lord, remember, the point is is that Jesus can do work in big crowds and small crowds. Real ministry happens, real ministry starts in the small group of your home, of your house, of your family. Mom and dad... Can I tell you something? I've only been a dad for eight years, not long at all. Some of you have me lapped a thousand, 20 times over. Not a thousand, 20 times over. Can I tell you something? I did not realize I could mess up so much as a parent in eight years than I have in the past eight years. Anybody else with me or just me? Okay, thanks. Glad it's not just me. I didn't realize that I would have to apologize to a five-year-old as often as I had to apologize to a five-year-old because of my attitude, because of my words, because of the way I acted. I didn't realize that parenting was going to be what parenting has turned out to be. But what I do realize and what I did then and even more so now is realize that my most important ministry the most important sermon I'll ever preach, the most important person I'll ever love, the most important person that I'll ever share the gospel with starts with three people that live in my house. TJ and Annalise should see, should know, should hear the love of the Lord coming from me before they ever do you. And they need to see it and hear it from you. But it should come from me first. Can I challenge you as mom and dad to make sure you're ministering to, loving, and serving to your home? The hundreds and thousands of people can wait. Look at the three, four, five, and six, and seven that's at your home 
first. Ministry starts, love starts, service starts at the home. Number two, husbands, don't think you're getting off the hook today. That lovely and gorgeous and talented and beautiful lady sitting beside of you, she's a gift from the Lord. Amen. No, 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 no. Uh, 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 uh. Boys, look at me. Amen. There we go. There we go. The Lord has entrusted her to you. The Lord has entrusted her to you for you to love and protect and serve and guide. Can I tell you that she's more important than the hundreds or thousands outside your house? Ministry can start at home. Ministry needs to start at home. Love and service and giving and living life together, sharing the word, sharing in forgiveness, starts in your house and is much more important in your house than it is to the hundreds or thousands that make you think you're doing a good job. Can I challenge you to start ministry at home? We see Jesus here do work for big groups and in small groups in a house. Point number three. Point number three. When you go through stuff, you can minister for stuff. When you go through stuff, you can minister to stuff. I hate a Christian. That tells me life has been absolutely perfect. Right? Oh, don't tell me everything's great. Your family's great. Your wife and husband are amazing. Went on vacation. Kids love the Lord. Oh, everything's a mess. Can't get no better. Can I tell you something about those people? They can't minister to me. I need somebody that's been to some places. Because I've been to places. I need somebody that's been through some junk. Because I've been through some junk. I need somebody that's, that deals with temptation. I need somebody that's dealt with greed and lust. I need somebody that has dealt with unforgiveness. I need somebody that has victory over those things to minister to me in my life. I need somebody to help me that has been through some junk. I want you to know that you're going through your junk. You've been through your junk. Don't waste it. The Lord can use it. The Lord can use you because you've been there, you can minister there. And you may think, well, I don't have any training. Yes, you do. Your pain that you went through is your training. Your suffering is your college education. Your heartache and tears and struggles and that valley, that's your on-the-job training. God used that struggle. God brought you out of that mess and out of that junk and out of that pain and out of that heartache, not just for you, but he did it so that you can minister there as well. Notice Simon's mother-in-law. She got healed. What'd she do? Started serving. 
God brought you out today so that you can minister there. More times than not, God will take your greatest moment of suffering, your greatest heartache, your greatest pain, your greatest struggle, and he will use that to be your most effective witness. He will use that to be your most effective ministry. He will use that. He will use that heartache and pain and struggle to not only bring you out of it, but so that you can help someone else in the same spot. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, all of Scripture, is Genesis 50, 20. You guys know I've preached about Joseph before. I love the story of Joseph. I love the character of Joseph. You guys know how much I love Joseph. At the very end of Joseph's life, at the very end of the book of Genesis, what you read is Joseph telling his brothers, those same brothers that sold him into slavery. Well, first they put him in a pit. Then they sold him into slavery. And then he went through uh, Pharaoh's house uh, and went through Potiphar's house, went through prison, and then ended up in Pharaoh and was in charge of all of Egypt um, and, and in charge of all the food. And because of that he was able to provide food for his family and his dad and the same brothers that threw him in the pit wanted to kill him and sold him into slavery he was able to save their life genesis chapter 50 verse 20 says this joseph said what you meant for for evil god used for good you hear me what you meant for evil god chose and uses for good please know today that what the enemy tries to take you out with god can use it for good what the enemy tries to tear you down with god can use it for good you're here this morning maybe you've been unloved god can use that for good you're here this morning, you've been left behind, you've been forgotten about, you've been lied to, you've been stolen from, you've been, been pushed to the side. Believe it or not, God can use that for good. Not only can God use it for good, but God uses it for the benefit of other people around you. Don't believe the lie that you're disqualified from serving for the Lord. Because you've been in a mess. You're the exact person God can use. Tell the person beside of you, you're the one. Tell them. Turn around there and tell them. Tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them. You're the exact one that God can use. Why? Because you've been there. You know what the hurt's like. You know what the pain's like. You've cried those tears. You've stayed up those sleepless nights. God brought you through it. And if you find yourself there today, know that He's available. He's available. He's sufficient. He's able to bring you through that pain today. I'll close with this. You ever wonder why Jesus did miracles? We see several miracles He did here in Luke chapter 4. There's three, there's a bunch of reasons, but three quick ones. Um, he did it to prove He was the Messiah. He preached it. He lived it. Number two, he did it because it shows us uh, physical lessons, earthly, humanly lessons of spiritual truths. We see that he's uh, available and he's uh, sufficient. And finally, number three, they show us how to respond to God's work in our life. When Jesus healed these uh, uh, demon-possessed people here, 
the demon-possessed people started, or the demons started shouting, we know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Jesus said, be quiet. It's not time yet. We see that Jesus healed Simon's mother-in-law. She got up and started serving. There's other places in Scripture we see where Jesus healed people. He told them to go to the temple and offer the sacrifice that is given, that is, that is required for your healing. We read the miracles of Jesus in Scripture because they teach us how we should respond when God works in our life. And can I encourage you today for three things? Number one, to have faith that he's enough because he's done it before, he can do it again. Number two, to trust that he's available. And number three, like Simon's mother-in-law, show your thankfulness through words and actions because of where he has brought you from. Today, if you're in a mess, there's hope. If you've been delivered from a mess, go get somebody. Go love someone else that's in that same mess. Go minister to someone else that's in that same fight. Because the Lord delivered you, not just for you, but so that you can pull somebody else out too. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. Come on up, band. Let's pray. Lord, today we thank you for your word. We thank you for this scene we read here in Luke chapter 4. And God, we thank you for being a God that does miracles. We thank you for being a God that heals. We thank you for being a God that casts out demons. We thank you for being a God that brings a deathly sick woman back to life. God, we thank you for being a God that is strong enough, powerful enough, loving enough to change lives. And God, today we thank you that you are still that exact same God today. Even as we stand here on July 23rd, 2023 and we read stories that happened thousands of years ago god we trust and we know and believe in faith that you are the same god you're still able you're still sufficient you're still available you're still powerful and god today we come confessing that we need your help we need your help i just want to pray for you quickly if you would say this morning you find yourself in a mess where you need god to do what only god can do can you just simply raise your hand so i can pray for you anybody at all i see you i see you i got you i see it lord you saw the hands lord you know the hearts you know the situations lord you know the lives you know the area of pain, of suffering, of confusion, of uncertainty. God, you know the mess that they find themselves in today. God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, by your power, by your word, God, you will meet the needs in our life. God, I pray today by your power by your word that you will show yourself sufficient you will show yourself powerful 
God, I pray today by your power and by your word and in the name of Jesus Christ that you will change a situation, that you will change a person, that you will do what is needed today that only you can do. God, help us to know the day that you love us. Help us to know today that you can change lives. And God, help us to respond to you in faith, trust, and thankfulness for all that you have done. Lord, thank you for you being who you are and what you have done for us today. And what will you continue to do in the midst of our mess. Lord, we love you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.